Blog Talk Radio. Big Mike and Vinny the Shark. 10.30 in the morning here on Saturday, January 13th. Welcome to Over the Top Sports Radio. Robbie D, Big Mike, Vinny the Shark with you. As we get ready for the most exciting weekend in football, divisional playoff weekend, we will preview that for you as well. So thank you for joining us, whether it be on Blog Talk Radio. We are live on Facebook Live. Hit us with your questions on Facebook. Uh, Monday, we had a great conversation going. We hope to continue that with our Facebook fans on Blog Talk or Facebook. If you want to give us a call, hit us up at 646-716-5043. And don't forget on Twitter at Over the Top Sport. Chime in with any of your tweets, questions, comments, concerns. We'd love to interact with you guys today. A ton to talk about, like we said, the NFL. Um, Getting to the midway point of hockey and basketball seasons. We're going to go over some of that stuff. And it's never too early to look towards 2018 fantasy football season as uh, we're going to talk about some of our rankings right now. And it'll be fun to look back at that in August when uh, the rankings come out, the ADPs come out and see if we hit on it, what we are way off on, because I'm sure we'll hit on some and I'm sure we'll be way off some as well. Goon, of course, is here um, behind the scenes doing all the work to hopefully keep us on as well. So we start, guys. Uh, NFL news this week, we talked a little bit about uh, the Giants coaching search. We'll get to that, too. Um, But the NFL, I mean, this is it. This is your last real weekend of football. You got the two games today, the two games tomorrow. Next weekend, you just got the two games, and it's just like a doubleheader. Uh, So this is all the fun. Um, Looking forward to this Falcons-Eagles game, and that's where we start today. At 435 tonight, uh, no Carson Wentz equals no favorite for a 13-3 team at home. Yeah, this is the first time ever the number one seed is the underdog uh, in the playoffs in the modern-day era. Falcons' last five, their defense is only allowing 16.8 points. They're forcing turnovers. They've had eight in in that five-game span. I am all over the Falcons today. I'm with you, too. I'm all over the Falcons. you got to love getting that draw the Falcons got in the playoffs. They got a big win in uh, the Rams against the Rams, and obviously we know they're inexperienced. They're a young team. Uh, It was the quarterback's first postseason start over there, and Jared Goff. Uh, Philadelphia with Nick Foles, you can't really like their chances. I know they're playing a disrespect card, but they want to come out here and say, hey, we should be the favorites because we're the number one CB or in this home spot. It's a different story when you had your MVP, arguably the MVP of the season, Wentz going down. And I can't see Foles getting this done against the Falcons, who really want to go back and redeem themselves after we all know happened to them in the Super Bowl last year. And I think they played a little bit scared, too, because once Wentz got hurt, they arrested a lot of guys in Week 17. So now they've effectively had two weeks off. Um, I don't like that. I think that we've talked about that on the show. Obviously, as Giants fans, we know that when you play through Week 17, what it can do for you. Um, and we've also seen as Giants fans with that week off and the bye week, also it can hurt a lot of momentum. This team's in trouble, but I'm seeing nobody pick them. Um, what is the way that this team can win? Is it to just run the ball effectively and keep the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands? Yeah, I think uh, you know they have a bunch of running backs there. Jai, Blunt, Clements emerge. Uh, you know, have to have an effective run game. And you need Foles to, you know, off that run game, be able to do play action and, and make smart passes. He and uh, Alshon Jeffrey had no chemistry since Foles took over. I can tell you that from a fantasy uh, perspective, having Jeffrey. 
Um, you know, and listen, the, the other kid they put in that last week against Dallas, Sudfeld or whatever his name is, the rookie, he looked better than Foles. So, you know, who knows if you see a, uh, a little Nick Saban in the second half, if, uh, if it's a bad situation, you put that kid in. Because uh, I don't know, man. I think Foles is going to get lit up today. Is Quite there, possibly. Is um, there a magic number of, like, rushing attempts they need to hit? It? You know, the records were, oh, 20 attempts, 25 attempts. I mean, does this team need to be able to run the ball 30, 35 times to win this game? Quite possibly. I mean, Nick Foles has shown signs that he can be a, a good passer every now and then. Against the Giants. Yeah, he looked great against the Giants. And, and he's gone down every Giants. game. But the last two games after that, he didn't look very good. And he didn't show me at all really any confidence to believe that he had the back of this guy. And uh, who knows, maybe he can come out here. He's a veteran quarterback. It's not like it's his first start in general. He actually has a winning record, I think, overall in his career. He does. But uh, Philadelphia's defense is one of the most underrated things uh, in the whole postseason. The Eagles had a pretty easy schedule though, this year, honestly. If you look back at it, they didn't really have that tough of a schedule. 13-3 is 13-3, though. And uh, the bottom line here, the big story is Wentz is out, and they're going to need to run the ball officially, keep the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands, and also make the Falcons' offense uh, make some mistakes. And what does home field mean for them? I mean, the Falcons are known as an indoor team. They like the 70 degrees and the conditions of their turf at home inside the Dome. It's going to be 32 degrees out today in Philly. Um, You know the fans are going to be waiting for it. Half of them will end up in the jail cells in the bottom of the building, like uh, they used to in Veteran Stadium. But uh, what does home field advantage mean for this game? Is that something that you should be concerned about if you're laying uh, or if you're taking the points with the Falcons? I think it's. I think it keeps the game closer. I mean, if it was in Atlanta, Vinny could speak to it. Maybe the spread would be five and a half. You know, I don't know. But um, listen, I just think Atlanta has the momentum. They had the big win last week, like Vinny said. They drew the lucky card here facing a backup quarterback in the in the second round of the playoffs. I just think, and again, Rob, you hit on it. The Super Bowl last year, they they have a chip on their shoulder, and you know they've made it here. They they look like crap at times during the regular season, and now we're starting to click. So to me, uh, home field really isn't going to play into it. I think home field means everything in terms of that spread, because like Mike said, I think it would be like a four and a half, five point spread if the Falcons were home, even if the even though the Eagles are the number one seed. But the the quarterback loss changes this whole entire thing up. But the Falcons are notorious for not being that great at, uh, on the road in outdoor stadiums. That's the case here. Philadelphia is going to have the home crowd, that's for sure. There shouldn't be a lot of Falcon fans traveling over there. And they've been hungry for the playoffs for a long time. Those fans are eager. And they got a lot of disrespect. They're playing with house money. And the thing is, everybody's loving the Falcons. Everybody's on the Falcons. And that makes you sit back and wonder, is it really going to be that big of a cakewalk? It is only a two-and-a-half-point spread. And, and Davis I, is pretty spot on with what they do. And I've loved the Falcons all year. I've been on them all year. And like you pointed out, that spread and the fact that everybody's on them, like I said before, too, Actually does scare me a little bit. Like, you know, there is something about, you know, the 13-3 squad. Everybody else is there. Um, I think that uh, Mohamed Sanu, the huge, um, the huge X factor in this game for the Falcons. You know the Eagles are going to go out there. They're going to game plan around Julio Jones and stopping Freeman and Coleman out of the backfield. They don't have that big tight end. I don't care about Austin Hooper. Um, but, listen, it, nothing changes between fantasy football season and right now because Julio Jones spent the whole week injured, questionable. He knew he was going to play, and he finally got to practice on Thursday. Uh, he'll be playing tomorrow. But I think Sanu, and he's been really good, and I think you said it, Mike, was one of the most underrated players in the league. Yep. Um, I think he's a big X factor, but I still expect the Falcons to win. Um, but it does. It's, I think it scares all of us that all of us and almost all the other Sharps are on Atlanta as well over there in uh, Philadelphia that's how, today. That's how big home field is. I think that's the Eagles' advantage. It's home field advantage, and that's why they have a shot of winning this game. Because if this game wasn't Atlanta, I don't give the Eagles any chance of winning. I don't think you guys do either. No way. No, I wouldn't think that they would go into Atlanta and win this game either. But, hey, you play all year for home field. They have it throughout the playoffs. If they do find a way to get it done today, I wouldn't put it past them. But 
if I was if I was betting, I'd be all over the Falcons, just like you guys. Don't know if it'll be a blowout on the road, but uh, I think that they'll win, and, and I think they'll cover the spread kind of comfortably as well. But we'll see. I mean, that's what the fun is. We saw we see upsets all the time. Last Saturday, both road teams won. They run outright, not just covered. They won the games. I don't think it's going to happen this Saturday because I don't think anybody in the world thinks that the Titans are going to go into a New England and upset the Patriots. Not a shot, kid. <laughs> no, and I think, if anything, I think the Patriots are pissed off. I think you're going to see a pissed-off Tom Brady with what's happened with the media this week. And, uh, listen, just some stats. They haven't played since 2015. Brady and Belichick are 6-1 and one against the Titans' lifetime together. Uh, Brady's 6-2 and two against Dick LeBeau, who is now the defensive coordinator out in Tennessee. Chris Hogan's back. James White is back. No Rex Burkhead. Uh, to me, this has blowout written all over it. And I think in the first half, you know, it's that kind of slow game. Maybe the New England goes up seven, mm-hmm. goes up ten. That second half, that, you know, typical New England second half spread, uh, I think is where they finally start pulling away, and it turns out to a blowout. The Titans have been too bad of a team all year to come into Foxborough and take a win. It's not going to happen. AFC Championship, another appearance for Tom Brady, the GOAT, the MVP of the season. Uh, there's no way the Tennessee Titans go in there. And I actually like the Patriots to cover that 13.5-point spread. That is a big spread. And those spreads are very tough to cover in general, nonetheless, the playoffs. And I know last year the Patriots had to go through the Texans, and it was a big spread like that, and the Patriots didn't cover. But I think this time around, the Titans are just not that good of a team. If the Patriots can stop the run, their defense should be fine today. And the tight, and Tom Brady's going to be putting up points at the points. It's going to be a machine out there. Since 2000, there have been seven games in the playoffs with two touchdown spreads. Seven. Every single one of them involved the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, this is it again, and the Patriots. I think have only um, they only covered two of them. So it's a, it's a big number for the. It postseason. is a big it number a big in the number. postseason, and you always worry about you know the, the the obviously the backdoor cover. You saw what Tennessee did in the second half against I think uh, a team that you that you know it's basically choke artists in Kansas City. If Kelsey um, doesn't get hurt though, are we talking about Kansas City today? I think you are. I don't. I think that Kelsey. We're talking about the They won in Week One, and this is the rematch. Can they get it done? Right. That injury was the flatening. Uh, and uh, listen, I think it changed the whole game plan. So, and plus the whole running thing. I mean, they you get still that, away from the run. Yeah, I agree with you. Coach. But I, that Kelsey injury, man, was, he's their number one receiver. He's their number one target there. And you think losing your number one receiver, your number one target, you would actually go more to the run right. and rely on that, but they didn't. Sandy Reid. <laughs> yeah. Well, Deion Lewis, we saw him in the you know the latter half of the season, basically won a bunch of people uh, fantasy leagues with the job that he did, and that's really weird to see a Patriots running back under Bill Belichick do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to lean on him today. Derrick Henry is going to be leaning on for the Titans as well. Let's not forget, and we'll get into some Matt Patricia stuff later, but this Patriots defense is not awesome. They're not very good, and they've had some very bad games at home this year. I worry about the 13-and-a-half. I see what you're saying, Mike, where I don't think that they're going to be worried about losing the game at any point in this game. Agreed. I just worry about the 13-and-a-half points um, because I don't love their defense, and I'm very, very scared, especially with that half point of that, uh, the, you know, they could be up 20, they give up the backdoor cover. It's 13. That extra half point, you never know if it's a big difference. So I think they're going to win it. I think they're going to comfortably. It's 55 degrees in Foxborough for a playoff game, too. That's crazy. Yeah. Look where it was a week ago. It will be 32 to, by tonight, though. I read that. Is that what they're so, saying? Yeah, it will go down by tonight, um, you know, just uh, so everybody knows. And also, we talked about it the other day. It came out in the media. Uh, DeMarco Murray is likely going to move on. The team will move on from him. We, uh, Robert, I think you mentioned it the other day. It's going to be the Derrick Henry show next year. Vinny, you said you loved him when he came out of the draft, especially. So uh, heading into fantasy next year, that's something to keep an eye on because he's looked damn good so far. And you know what? I think the colder the weather gets, guys, the better it is for the Patriots. <laughs> this is a team that would purposely blow snow onto the field when they're <laughs> facing Peyton Manning because yep. he's an indoor quarterback. 
Uh, they like the cold weather. They're used to it. They're accustomed to it. So I think that only favors. Just a couple of weeks ago, they said uh, he put the uh, thermometers up around the building just so that they could people could remember yep. what the time that was against yep. the Jets in week seventeen. I mean, just the, the mind games that they play. That's, and that's a great move. <laughs> I, I agree with it. you. Yeah, I agree. you want it in their mind that every time you walk past, them, oh my god, it's you want to be in the trenches out. with that coach, Landon right. Collins. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that in a couple minutes as well. So anyway, the Saturday slate were both. Uh, we're all on the same teams. Uh, Falcons winning on the road. Falcons covering. Patriots as well. Not so sure about the cover. Um, I would bet it, but I would I, I'd probably advise to lay off that. I'm a little worried about it. Tease it down. That's fine. That's, there you go. That's what uh, you know. That's what you guys and you guys know better than me. You bet more than me. Um, so tomorrow Sunday we've got a rematch: Jaguars and Steelers. This uh, you know is a rematch of a game earlier this season where they made Ben Roethlisberger look like Blake Bortles. And he threw five picks. And now the rematch, Pittsburgh is seven-point favorites tomorrow against the Jags. Uh, Antonio Brown, of course, is uh, the big story. People have been worried about his health, but I think he's good to go. Yeah, they said he's going to be a game-time decision, but, I mean, you would expect him to play. Uh, The whole calf injury, and supposedly he has some sort of illness, some sort of flu, they're calling it. Uh, He was sent home from practice yesterday with it. Uh, So he's not going to be 100%. Last time they played, Big Ben threw five interceptions. Two of them were pick sixes. So that score that you saw last time was a little bit inflated. It wasn't the Jaguars' offense going nuts. Uh, with that being said, the Jags' D is 21st against the run, so I would expect Le'Veon Bell to have a field day. And I would think Leonard Fournette also should have an easier day going against Pittsburgh's defense than he did against Buffalo's just because Buffalo uh, was able to stop the run better than Pittsburgh is. Pittsburgh got shredded this season against the run, especially in the such Chicago game. With that being said, I am all over the Jaguars to win this game and to cover. I think um, it's in Big Ben's head. I threw five picks against this team. They're young. They're hungry. They think they could do it again. And I think Big Ben has doubt in his head. And you never want to have that going into a playoff game. You know what, Big Mike? Everybody wants to rule out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everyone's just looking ahead to that Patriots-Steelers AFC championship matchup. I'm with you, baby. Let's, Let's go, go, Jags. The Jaguars are going to go in there. They're not just going to cover this game. They're going to win this game. Jaguars money line. They're going to beat the Steelers in Heinz Field because they have the best defense. And everybody like hated that game last week that Blake Bortles had to win it on the uh, had more rushing yards and passing yards. Listen, it was the Buffalo Bills. The defense did their job. That terrible Buffalo Bills offense, they were held to three points against the best defense of the NFL. Defense wins championships, they say, right? Preach well, it, I baby. think they're going to go to the AFC Championship, then fall to Tom Brady because I think that element is just too much for them. But they're going to go in there, and they're playing with some house money right now. Everybody loves the Steelers. Uh-uh. Jacksonville prevails. Mike, can I see that real quick? That, that Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah. <laughs> I want to smell what the fuck, what the heck you guys are drinking. Did you guys not watch this Jaguars team look like the worst team in the world last week? I saw the best They won 7-3 the to three against the freaking Bills. They I mean, Tyrod Taylor. We're going to talk about Tyrod Taylor in that offense where LaShawn McCoy couldn't move and they couldn't score from the one-yard line because they'd thrown the ball to Calvin Benjamin. Now they got to face <clears> a different monster. This is a Pittsburgh team that plays well at home. You're right. They did make him look like Blake Bortles, but that's an aberration. That's not something that's going to happen again. This is Ben. This is Le'Veon. This is Juju. This is Martavis Bryant, and this is Antonio Brown. Even if Antonio Brown is on the field as a decoy, they are exponentially better than that Bills offense. You can't sit here and say that that Jaguars team beating the Bills impressed you guys. You have a responsibility to watch the football game. I impressed the defense impressed me. No, he said the defense gave up only three points. Look who they were facing. Well, they were facing they us. That's what they do. You face a bad offense, you held them to three points. They did their uh, job. Uh, Big the, Ben, after the game, last time they played, said, maybe I don't have it. Maybe I should have retired. I remember that. This we talked about it. flustered Big Ben. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen again tomorrow. He throws a pick early. 
Forget it. It's going to be rolling in the back of the head. And how lethal is Antonio Brown going to be? Is he more of a decoy out there? Exactly. Or is he actually going to be a threat? Because let me tell you something. I think they're in a world of hurt if they can't get Le'Veon Bell running effectively against them. They have the two top corners in the league with Ramsey and Bouye, and then you still have Aaron Colvin. They, the pass D on that team is tremendous. Because Jimmy just... Garoppolo killed them a couple weeks ago. And Ben and Antonio Brown and Juju and Martavis. And, by the way, Le'Veon Bell is great out of the backfield catching he balls. Is. That he is. That's because Jimmy Garoppolo is a top five quarterback. Jimmy. <laughs> Garoppolo. <laughs> right on cue, okay. Goon. I, I just think coming that, uh, that D is just up. going to be too much for them. Listen, if, if somehow Pittsburgh jumps out on top 14 nothing, fine. All bets are off because I don't think that the Jacksonville offense will be able to keep pace with them. But I think I would expect a low-scoring game, both teams under 20, and I think Jacksonville somehow finds a way to squeak one out. And I'm also calling a defensive or special teams touchdown on the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It takes something like that, though, to go in and win. I mean, they had the two pick sixes, like Mike said, in that game. <clears throat> that Pittsburgh uh, got blown away from. Listen, I'm not saying that they have no chance to win, but uh, come on. I don't think Big Busy is going to have a nice pocket to throw the ball. I think he's going to have a rough day throwing, and if they can't run the ball, they're in some trouble. Saxonville, a Florida team going into Pittsburgh in 17-degree weather and winning the game. You don't think Buffalo either, though, was kind of riding a high also heading into last week? Wow, we got into the playoffs. You know, you saw – uh, image of the year so far for me. Kyle Williams holding his two sons as the Bills made the crying. playoffs. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Rob has no respect for you don't think that they were just playing on a high, too? And, and now you're coming off a team that Steelers haven't played. You don't know what Antonio Brown's going to have, even though they said he's looked okay in practice and was sent home with a flu. It's not totally his ankle. I mean, I you just I wouldn't know what to expect from them, especially off that bye. I, just, I think Ramsey, whether – sorry to interrupt you. No, whether Antonio Brown is great or not great, whether he's healthy or not, I think Ramsey's good enough to actually contest him and, and make him not, you know, have a 100-yard game. Like what he did, always has against every quarter. Good. What did Brown have the first time they played? I could find out for you. But listen, Probably those, not good. We know those are the matchups yeah. that you do live for as a fan, though. I mean, the Revis, Randy Moss, those right. matchups, Ramsey sure. versus Antonio Brown, those are – as a football fan, and listen, none of us have – you know, uh, any skin in the game as far as one of our teams being played, one of our, you know, being a fan of one of the teams. Who am I looking for? Go ahead. Go for it. Against the uh, Jaguars, 10 catches, 157 yards. <laughs> not with either of us. <laughs> we did not expect now, now that. Now tell me how many completions Big Ben threw. Probably a lot. They're playing from behind. So it's going to be skewed, right? I don't know. I don't think things are going his way. I know he had five picks. We all know that. Two well, touchdowns. And two of the two that were touchdowns were tip balls. So well, they lost the game thirty to nine. I got the box. Completions had to be I got three thirty-three for fifty-five. So thirty-three completions. Blake Bortles that game went eight for fourteen with an interception. How many? How many quarterbacks win going eight for fourteen with an interception? Well, look at this. No, well, and and that's where I was going before you guys brought. (laughs) And then look at this. That's alarming too, if you ask me. The Le'Veon Bell, fifteen carries, forty-seven yards. It is, but don't forget the beginning of the season. And I got down on Le'Veon Bell, and I was wondering if maybe him holding out really hurt him. This is towards the beginning of the season when this happened. This was game five. So what was it? Um. He sat out two weeks or a week. He sat out a week, yes. and the next week he barely played. Right. So now that's he's just right. starting to get into it. Um, and something we know that's not going to happen here, there was two offensive touchdowns the first time the Jags and Steelers met. You know that's not going to happen here. That uh, Five interceptions isn't going to happen again. So all this obviously favors the Steelers in this case. But listen, Jaguars' defense is a force to be reckoned with, and they're going to prove it. So my point was this, too, that I wanted to get to, and you did bring up Leonard Fournette. So, and I hadn't known this um, when I brought it up. But Leonard Fournette went 28 for 181 and two touchdowns. He was clearly the reason that they won. But he slowed down since then. And Buffalo is the worst pass defense, statistically speaking, not just me being a hater, the worst defense in the league this year against the run. And he couldn't move the ball at all last year, last week. 
it was really Blake Bortles, the only one running the ball. So I'm worried about it's 17 degrees. They're a team from Florida playing a good weather. They're in uncharted territory. Some of they've never been. They've never been this far. Any of these guys in this group, you know Bortles has never been there. You know Fournette's a rookie, so he's never been there. Maybe Chris Ivory at some point in his career has played in this game, but that's really it. So I'm really worried in that weather. I, I agree with you guys both. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. But I just can't bet on. The I think Jaguars. you saw though with the Buffalo Bills last week, they loaded the box against Fernetti because they so, don't because they don't right. trust Bortles to beat them. Right. So I mean, listen, if that happens again, fine. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I'm just on this Jacksonville team, and one That's thing what makes we, it fun, right? If we all agreed on everything, we'd be very boring. But one thing we didn't mention is uh, it came out this week too. I, who knows if this is a track? Le'Veon Bell said he would sit out, next and I was going to bring that up. Uh, if, uh, well, if I was going to bring that up again, I mean. You're in the playoffs. Shut your mouth. Sounds like you can get those headaches again, Rob. Maybe on Bell and going through all this. Shut your mouth. And I'm sitting now kind of thing. And then all of a sudden he wants to blow up at the end of the year after you're not so sure. But, uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up to you. But, but since we're talking about the Steelers, why not? I was going to bring it up when we talked about our fantasy rankings for next year. But, you know, the franchise tag with the running back is $9 million a year. Now, that's not like quarterback or some other positions where it's close to 20. But if you're guaranteed to be a top five player – at your position, what's the pro? What do you want? Do you want a long-term deal with with the signing bonus? Then why can't you negotiate in good faith with your team? It's not like they go out there and they don't want to give you that deal. They give you the franchise tag because you can't come up with a, a contract that you guys can agree on. I don't want to get off topic here, but I happen to hate the franchise tag. I like it from an aspect of being a fan that my favorite player on a team, like Odell Beckham, for instance, uh, isn't going to just walk away and go to another team. They can franchise him. They can, you know, he's going to stay here. Gives and, the team all the control. Exactly. Yeah. As a, from a player, uh, player's point, you have to hate it. God forbid, Absolutely. Le'Veon Bill goes Bell goes out there and tears his ACL. God forbid. Now he's on that one-year deal, making that nine million dollars, which I mean to us is a hell of a lot of money. Where do but, I sign? Exactly. <laughs> but he doesn't have that uh, that long-term financial security. So as a player, I completely get it. I do. And not being a player, I love the franchise tag, so my team can take advantage of bringing guys back. Right. So. Well, I like that, too. This is the other thing that um, – and, and maybe they should change it a little bit. But, then, you know, Kirk Cousins' his whole career is basically going to be played on a franchise tag <laughs> at this point right now. And it sucks for guys like that. But when you're going to be a hard ass and, you know, be unwilling to negotiate, now what's going to happen? No, and it's not off topic because we're talking football, right? And they came up with the, with the Steelers. Um you know, Odell Beckham before the season said that he wants to be the highest paid player in football, not wide receiver, not player on the Giants, in football. Yeah, Clearly, when it's time to negotiate with him, I don't care if it's Gettleman, Jerry Reese, George Young, or us, that is, it's going to be a, a tough negotiation. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't come down off that ask off of his injury this year, which might very well you know, be the case because his agent might advise him better, but if he doesn't come off of that price, that's not going to happen. So what's going to happen now? You got a greedy guy, and he wants no part of actually helping your team win because now he's going to screw your team over on the cap. So in a way, it also protects the team from this greediness that is in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, while we're talking about it, of course I have notes. But um, (laughs) so it came out this week, too, that Kirk Cousins would go to the Browns. Uh, He said, yeah, sure, I would definitely go to the Browns. Somebody projected him of going to the Browns three years, 87 million, 60 of it being guaranteed. The Browns would still have, after they signed Kirk Cousins, $81 million in cap space. That's and they, it. <laughs> and the first overall pick and the fourth overall exactly. pick. I mean, well. come on, you man. Get Cousins and Barkley. It's that, almost like, to shake them up? Right. It's almost like a no-brainer to give him that money, give yeah. him that contract. You have Njoku, you have Josh Gordon, you have Corey Coleman, and you have two of the top five picks. I think Kirk Cousins and Barkley can win you a game. 
You know, ready You would think. Let me ask you guys this then, since you brought it up, and we'll talk about Saints Vikings. We got another hour and ten minutes to go on over the top sports radio Saturday morning six four six seven one six fifty four zero three. Give us a call. Hit us up with your comments. Chime in. We'd love to hear from you guys. But um, would you, um, if you're the GM, either of you of the Browns, and it's a thank, probably pays more than what we all make right now. So we would probably, and you can't fail. You can't do worse. You can't fail, right? You cannot. Do you win worse. one game, you've already. Just look at that draft pick, Rob. You hit on one draft pick, and you're, they're going to put you in their uh, ring of honor. Right. So let me ask you this: Are we going to go um, Cousins, rest, you know, for the next five years, or do I we am. want to start sure. with a Darnold. young guy out of the, or, or do we want Rosen or Darnold or somebody else like yeah, that? I think it's Cus- time to sign someone. You've, right. You've given this, give the kid shot, uh, a shot for how many years now? I just you never pick the right guys. Right. You just don't work out in your way, and you got to go someone with some veteran experience that has won NFL games already. What's Cousins? Twenty-eight years old. I mean, bring him in. Are you kidding me? If Absolutely. you get Cousins, you could really do some work with that <laughs> number one and number four pick. Yep. So that's something to build around. Finally, you draft you know? Barkley, and then maybe even trade back four. See if you can get another, you know, what else you can get? They I, usually do that when they have two first right. picks. They keep trading back and they just get more picks. Why Take the corner that just came out. I mean, you can do anything you want. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess so. I'm just not a big Kirk Cousins fan. I like him as like a DFS guy that racks up the yards and gets you the garbage touchdown and, and he makes Doxon into a uh, keepable player so you can get a nice trade out of him midseason as Mike would know very yep. well. But um, I'm just not – I don't think he's a winner, but then it's Cleveland. So right. There's winning and Cleveland there, don't go together. If Josh Gordon's able to, you know, stay uh, stay the course, uh, there's weapons there. And, and, I mean, and then you saw uh, him with Pryor. Pryor was from Cleveland. Now yeah. he's going to go get the real wide receiver from Cleveland if he goes there and play with him. Uh, but moving on, uh, let's talk about the fourth game, and it's tomorrow night. And I think it's probably the best game of these four. Let's I be agree. honest. Listen – Jaguar Steelers gave us a good debate, so maybe it will be a really good game. I hope it is. I hope they all are. I don't think the Patriots will be. But Saints Vikings tomorrow. Uh, you know U.S. Bank Stadium. We've all been there. We know it well, uh, and we know how well your dumb skulls do <laughs> at home. And they're playing a Vic- uh, Saints team that um, historically is not good on the road, but this is a team. So uh, what you guys got? Yeah, it's also a dome, so Breeze stays inside. Uh, you know, it's too cold in Minnesota to have it open there. Vikings D, listen, uh, people aren't giving them credit. They're just as good as the Jags D. They actually finished uh, finished first in a few categories on defense. So, at some aspects, they were better. The home building, which you just said, if you haven't gone to this stadium, you have to go. It's unbelievable. Um, the spread, I think, is five, right? Yep, still five. I, I like the Saints to cover, but I think the Vikings get the job done. Uh, yeah, they, I can see the cover going on there. I think it's going to be a great game. It's definitely a good showdown. And I know what Rob's going to say before we get to him. It, it's Drew Brees versus Case Keenum. <laughs> well, listen to me. Case Keenum has made a case this year. And I'm using that one. I don't care how corny that one is. He's made a case. And this guy is taking his case to the Super Bowl this year. Case Keenum's going to be the first quarterback to host a Super Bowl at the home stadium. Case the closed. Vikings, case closed. The Vikings <laughs> are the best team in the NFC. They're the most complete team in the NFC. Even if Dalvin Cook went down, their running game is fine with Murray and McKinnon. The uh, Case Keenum has been a very, very efficient. Adam Thielen is a stud. Stephon Diggs is also a stud. They got a great offense. Their defense is one of the best in the league and definitely the best in the NFC. And I've been on the Saints train for a while. Um, they had a good season. They got here. Um, a lot of people didn't think that they would. Um, I'm kind of rooting for them, but I can't pick against them right here. I can't pick. I'm sorry, I can't pick them here. I can't pick against the Vikings at home with the defense. Like you talked, and I've said, we've said it, to, all of us have said it. They're, they went 13-3 and for a reason. It's not just because their defense at home is unbeatable. It's because their offense is good. It's because Case Keenum has gone out there and stolen the job. Now, have they declared that he'll still be the quarterback if they win this week? 
I mean, is he the number one quarterback yet? Because all year they sat there and they wouldn't give him the job when all he was doing was winning games. Um, they, said, working, though. they said he and uh, who's the offensive coach? Pat Shermer might even go to Arizona as a tandem. So that would be very interesting. Well, that's going to be one of the most interesting storylines of the offseason is what the Vikings do about their quarterback situation. They have three guys that are all capable of doing the job. Laugh if you want about Sam Bradford being one of those three. But Bradford last year had a what, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. Led the NFL in completion so, percentage. Yeah, so, and he helped them win games. They, <coughs> they, uh, they had, I think, eight or nine wins last year. Yep. And then they went 13 this year with Case Keenum. And Teddy Bridgewater is supposed to be the quarterback of the future for them. Um, but right now, the future is now. And uh, you can be corny. You don't have to be corny. I won't be corny with it. But I agree. I think Keenum and that offense is very <coughs> underrated. I think they're going to get the job done, but I'll be rooting against them. I, something about the Saints I've always liked this year. 7-1 at home, U.S. Bank Stadium. That place is a force. Who they lose to, do you know? Defense. It was the Detroit Lions. They lost 14-7. to So it was a division wow. rival. Yeah, was, that's fine. But um, different team. That was early in the season. I think that was their second home game, as a matter of fact. And then they won out. But the Vikings, what I would do, I would keep Case. Because look where he's got you. Especially if he wins this game. If he brings in the NFC Championship, how do you go away from the guy? 13-3 record, 7-1 at home, and an NFC Championship appearance. So you think, I would trade Teddy Bridgewater because I think he's got he could still hold some good value. You could get some good value from him. Look at these quarterback trades. They got a, they traded a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. So what, what's Teddy Bridgewater worth? Uh, so, so well, I'll ask you about that because I think we've all given our thoughts on this game and, and this weekend. Um, everybody talks about the Alex Smiths and the Kirk Cousins of the world. Well, how come nobody talks about – a possible guy from Minnesota coming in and taking one of these jobs. I, I think that they're not talking about Teddy Bridgewater because he's still coming off that injury. What, you really, what is he taking? Five snaps in, in live action so throw far. a pick too? Yeah, well, I don't take much. That means that, nothing, but, but I, 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 I just, think I I don't know if teams are, are looking at him yet as, uh, as, oh, he could be our starting quarterback. He could be our quarterback of the future. I don't know if they see what they have yet with him. Sam Bradford is interesting because – he really wasn't anything in Philadelphia. Came here, had a good season. And now with this whole knee thing, I mean, you know, that just kept lingering, lingering, lingering. I think there's just so many question marks surrounding the two of them that that's why you're not hearing them being floated around to other teams. And he wasn't anything with the Rams either, Sam Bradford. Right. I think Bradford just sucks. I think it's time to finally give up on the guy. I couldn't believe they did that trade. I remember being, as a Giants fan, really pissed that they did that trade and the Eagles getting the first-round pick for Sam Bradford. But uh, Case Keenum's the guy. they got to roll with him. And I, I think you'd be surprised. Bridgewater, I think they could get a second-round pick from some team. Because teams oh, get desperate sure. for quarterbacks in the offseason. Yeah, I think that you've got to get rid of um, one of them. But Brett Bradford's actually got to be the guy that you keep. He's got to be there to be the backup. You can't pay Keenum and Bridgewater long-term anyway. So Bradford would be the perfect backup for them, right? I agree. Uh, he's he's – uh, uh, we know what he is. Uh, and, and it's 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 – sad. I mean, he started the season as the starting quarterback after one of his best years last year with the chance to win. And he had like a thigh bruise. Remember, he was like supposed to be questionable yeah. for like one week. And then he just started that practicing like, yeah, yeah, it ended up being a lot more than a knee. I'm sorry, it was a knee bruise, not a thigh bruise. But everybody just said it was a bruised knee. Yep. And it kept him out for 15 weeks. Now he's done for the season. The only thing that really you have to question with Minnesota is they never officially really came out and backed Case Keenum. They never said, we're riding him till the end. He's our guy. And you know, you hear it a little more now, but you didn't hear it then. I even ranted about it. So you have to wonder if heading into the offseason, no matter, you know, you win a Super Bowl, it's different. Let's say you don't win a Super Bowl. It's more of like, um, hey, you know, Teddy's our guy. We're going back to Teddy. He's the he's the quarterback of the future. So, well, yeah, well, we'll see what happens with that. We have all offseason to talk about. Not a bad place a... to be in, right? I mean, no, <laughs> really no, not. Not at all. You got uh, 11 o'clock over the top sports radio. Robbie D, Big Mike, Vinny the Shark with you here on the Saturday morning. 
of Divisional Weekend. we got Islanders-Rangers coming up in two hours. We'll talk some hockey later in the show. We'll talk some basketball, maybe give out some midseason awards in both. Um, so we're talking football. Um, earlier this week, uh, Mike and I had a, a very heated, uh, friendly discussion on uh, this. So I want to see where Vinny's at. But it looks like right now the favorite to be the Giants head coach is Matt Patricia. Uh, Vinny, I know Mike's thoughts. Mike knows mine. Uh, what are your thoughts on this move? Uh, I've been very pro, and I said either of these coordinators in the Patriots I will take. And I know you are very against that due to the past history of these guys. But you know what? Look where they ended up, those guys. Like Romeo Cornell going to Cleveland. Charlie Weiss left the NFL, so you're holding him accountable for leaving a whole entire uh, league. Um, I like these guys. McDaniels already has a win. I would actually rather McDaniels than uh, Patricia, only because if we're drafting a quarterback in the number two pick, I'd rather the offensive style guy bring him in and uh, nurse, nurture him into becoming a quarterback. But Patricia looks like a badass, man. He doesn't look like he's going to take any shit. And maybe he has a certain amount of toughness that could change this team around and get them going because we know this team is very immature in that locker room. And I don't think he would take any crap from guys like Odell and Landon and all that <coughs> shit. And that's important to me. And I think he could do that. And he's coming from a winning ways, and maybe he can show these guys the winning ways. I'm okay with Patricia. Like I said, any of those coordinators. I'm actually even cool with uh, Shermer, the uh, Vikings offense coordinator as well. So any of those three guys, and obviously the big prize is Bill. I'm sure you're going to bring up Belichick at some point. I know you're huge on that, but I don't think they can afford to wait for him. They can't let those coordinators walk, and then they don't get Belichick. And I agree that you can't afford to wait for him when it's such a low percentage chance that he'll actually right. become available. Right. I get that. It, it, it's a tough spot if you're in the get Bill Belichick to the Giants crowd because you're waiting. You're not. He's not going to, um, you know, listen, they're not going to lose today. And then on Monday, all of a sudden, well, Bill Belichick's leaving. Oh, oh, crap, look what we could do. But in the same token, you've still got to wait for them to lose for one of these two coordinators. Um, it is weird to me, though, and, and uh, I'll talk to Mike in a second about this, too, but it is weird to me that the Giants have had offensive coaches forever. My entire lifetime, the Giants have had offensive coaches. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing to go to a defensive coach, but they have had success. Barcelos was an offensive guy. They went to the Super Bowls. They won two Bowls. Uh, Jim Fossil took them to Super Bowls, an offensive guy. Was he a great coach? No, but he was an yeah. offensive mind. And he did get them there in a magical season, which was a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys remember 2000, uh, 2001. Uh, and then, of course, Tom Coughlin. And then, you know, then Ben McAdoo, who gives all offensive coordinators or offensive coaches mm-hmm. a very bad name for the mm-hmm. Giants. Um, Mike, I, the fans might not know your thoughts on it. So I'll let you have I, I absolutely love the signing. I, I stand like Vinny, and I said it before. I would have rather Josh McDaniels just because – this is a team that has struggled to put up offensive points. So I think getting in a, a young coach, an offensive-minded coach, probably would have benefited them. But that being said, if they're going to go with Matt Patricia, I still love it. He's 43 years old. He's one of the, a younger coach. He's got three Super Bowls with New England as a defensive coordinator. His hometown is from New York, so you know he wants to stay on the East Coast and come here. Um, the talent on the Giants' defense is better than what New England has as far as playmakers go. Uh, with Collins and Harrison and Jenkins, and he doesn't have this type of talent right now in New England. And if you want to look at the the Bill Belichick tree, which is what you sent me, Vinny hit on it. McDaniels was a coach in Denver for two years. Well, he dealt with the Jay Cutler-Brandon Marshall thing before Brandon Marshall became mature all of a sudden. (laughs) Eric Mangini uh, was to the Jets. He took them to the playoffs for one year. Then he went to the Browns. If you go to the Browns, I'm not counting that against you. (laughs) Romeo Cornell, Browns, and then he went to Kansas City where he was the uh, defensive coordinator, and then he became uh, the from the interim coach uh, to the head coach. I can't count that either. He was horrible there, but whatever. 
So you're looking at these guys that have really not gone to places to set themselves up as successful. It was more as if, uh, okay, I need to go take that head coaching job that's out there, then I'll try and prove myself. To me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. If uh, you know, I just don't understand why they haven't made it official. But I'm they're not allowed for to. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to even offer him a contract while they're still in the playoffs. Uh, oh, so that's go. the answer to why they made it official. But we talk about the Belichick tree. Maybe here's this crazy thing, and everybody, you know, everybody has an excuse for every one of these guys who every single one of them failed in the NFL. Nick Saban's obviously turned into a legend in the college game. We, I don't want to take anything away sure. from Saban, but what did Nick Saban do in Miami? Now, did he get screwed by ownership in Miami? Yes. Uh, what happened with that? He wanted Drew Brees. Ownership wanted Dante Culpepper. Guess who won? Ownership. Guess what happens when ownership wins against a coach right. and ownership gets it wrong? That coach goes to college where he picks his players. Yep. Not an owner, not the AD. He picks his players, and he's done pretty damn well. Because guess what? The entire NFL, and this week, right now, the game tonight and tomorrow would be different if Drew Brees went to the Dolphins and Culpepper ended up being in New Orleans because New Orleans wouldn't have won the Super Bowl. So he was right about that. But So I don't want to say that he's not a great coach. He's obviously a legend. But what, you know, why do we have to find excuses for all these guys? McDaniels. He had to deal with problems. Well, he didn't even last two full years, so and he didn't have a winning year. Are you saying he would take Nick Saban? As a Giants coach? Well, I've never seen him do it in the NFL. He hasn't. So it's a, it's a big thing. And he doesn't I, get the pick So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If you got Nick Saban, which obviously isn't going to happen. There's a report of that. But, uh, I've uh, seen they, well, like Saban, that could do. Bruce uh, Arians also just said it, too. Recently, but let me ask you that, this. Oh, Saban would be interesting. Nick Saban, I feel like, is a guy that would have to come here, and he'd want to be Bill Parcells. If you want me to cook dinner, let me shop for the groceries, right? That's what Parcells said. He would be an idiot to but come here. Of course, he'd be an idiot. And he would have to be the GM. Otherwise, he would never come. He'd have to pick his player. That's I'm not what, giving him that So power. why would I, you know, want that? I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. It's not that we're looking for excuses. Look at Bill O'Brien. I'm not ready to call Bill O'Brien a failure. I actually think O'Brien's the best of all these guys. I, I think, I think if fine. you gave me one of these guys to choose from, I would choose Bill O'Brien. Fine. Jim Schwartz, as much as I hate him, and you're a Jim Schwartz guy, right? Why does everybody have never once said I'm a Jim Schwartz? What have I ever said that? He had to have a decent record in Detroit, at least one of those years that I recall. And he's, the, what, the defensive coordinator right now for, uh, for Philadelphia, who's, uh, what, 13-3? and His defensive coordinator out there. They, they're fine. We'll, we'll see them today, but... What? Ten and, look, he went ten and six with Detroit here, and then it was four and twelve, seven and nine, six and so six. So he's twenty nine and fifty one. He's immature too. That whole handshake situation. I agree with you. I don't time. want him, but you can't look at what he's doing now. I, I need to get off topic for one second. Where are all these fake news rumors coming from? From you guys. I'm a Jim Schwartz guy. Never happened. Because I you have guys texted me that when I'm in Vegas, I'm going to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night. Can you Brian, guys stop with the I have news? asked you countless times. You got on the whole Patricia thing. And who I did do you want as a head coach? I still haven't said. Who I, do you want? And that's where I was going. I let him speak. I let you speak. That's why the I just assumed best, you wanted Jeff Schwartz. Oh, no, no, no. Jim Schwartz. Um, actually, your best argument is that. I don't have a guy I really, really want other than the, the pipe dream of Bill Belichick, which not. let's not even get to. You know. We all know that's not going to happen. Right. That's the pipe dream. So they're signing a guy that has won three Super Bowls as uh, a defensive a coordinator they for the best team of the over the last 10 years. Brady and he's, and and he's the coordinator for the best coach in probably history. But you can't ask for more. I'd rather an Andy Reid guy. Oh, give you know, me a break. Why? Why is that? Oh, Andy Reid. Okay, look at Andy Reid's coaching tree. Oh, my Do you goodness. know it? I don't care about family trees. <laughs> but these are the guys that learned from him. The coaching tree under Belichick, oh. every single one of them has failed. I'm not saying I want Andy Reid. Half of them went to the Browns. John Harbaugh. 
Okay. Went to a Super Bowl. Okay. Brad Childress, whatever. Doug Peterson. Steve Spagnuolo. We're giant fans. He hasn't done a damn thing. He really hasn't. Okay, he Ron was Rivera. The Rams. It was horrendous. Riverboat. Who you guys brought up? Sean McDermott, who started. Nick Todd Bowles. McDermott. Todd Bowles sucks. <laughs> Doug Peterson. Uh, he's had a good year this year. Sean McDermott. Yeah, Peterman. Uh, Nagy, who you just ripped <laughs> on ripped this signing. So what? Half we're looking at. Leslie okay. Frazier did nothing with Minnesota. John Harbaugh showed himself to be a world class, top of the league coach at times, and a Super Bowl coach. Did Ron Rivera bring his team to the Super Bowl? They haven't did, won one. He, did. he brought them to the Super Bowl, yeah, which is did. more than anybody on any one of Belichick's things. That counts for something. Means. Sure. Did Doug Peterson come here and, and coach to a 13-3 record this year? And I, I, I can't stand up for McDermott because of, the, because of the record. But if you didn't do that freaking Nate Peterman thing, that guy would be a coach of the year candidate. I'm just saying the coaching trees, when, when you think about, you know, who they learned under – there's nobody in their right mind yes. that would ever say that Andy Reid has 1% of the coaching success that Bill Belichick Here's has, right? But look what his guys have done. And look what, look what Belichick's guys have done. We expect but the Giants to come in there and just hire a coach that has all the experience in the world. Right. The is, we're not going to get that. It's risky. because He's not out there. That guy's not out there. I'll admit that. Like, I agree This is a lucrative that. job. I'm the head coach of the New York Giants. But in this case, you don't know what this team's going to be. You don't know who your quarterback's going to be. You're coming in there. You have the number two overall draft. You have a fresh new GM. Nobody knows the direction, the future of this team. You know, and there's no guaranteed coach that we can rely on. These are all coordinators that are going to become a head coach. I don't want to dwell on this because people have said that we spend too much time on the Giants, Brandon and Pete. So I just want to say that look at the teams that they went to, though. Harbaugh went to the Ravens. They had a tremendous defense when he got there. Flacco, whatever. Spagnolo sucks. Leslie Frazier, he did not do well there. Ron Rivera went to a team with Cam Newton as the quarterback. Todd Bowles, they haven't accomplished anything. Everyone's happy that they got five wins this year when they were projected zero. Doug Peterson went there last year, uh, this year, excuse me, uh, and had Carson Wentz at a team that was pretty much already built. Uh, Sean McDermott, a decent team with Buffalo. He probably over-succeeded, we could say. He overachieved rather, with the Buffalo Bills. Now go look at the Belichick tree. Josh McDaniels had Jay Cutler and all that drama in Denver, and that's why he was let go. He wanted to trade Jay Cutler, and that's why he only got two seasons there. That was before the whole Demarius Thomas thing. The number one receiver there was Brandon Marshall, and then the other two guys went to the Browns. These guys went to better situations than the Belichick tree. But their records were just so bad. I have to. That means something to me because it's a win loss is the bottom line. Well, the right? Browns have been bad. Well, what about McDaniel's? Was three and nine? It wasn't just they were three and nine. Had something to do with it, right? It wasn't just because of the Cutler stuff. When you're three and nine, you get fired. Look at the roster. I mean, we don't have to do it now. No. I, I don't want to waste time. And, and everybody says that the he won that with, they each went to. And somebody says to me, they won with Tim Tebow. No, they were eight and freaking eight. They were eight and eight, and they won a playoff game in overtime on a great play by Tebow. Uh, and Demarius Thomas, who, by the way, ran the other, who really yards, did most who ran the other <laughs> 70 yards by Tebow on, fact, a, on a quick was plant. On a quick <laughs> plant. Yeah. Well, for Tim Tebow, that's one of his that's, probably that's biggest highlights of his throw. career, right? His career, so, listen, you never know. And Mike's best point to me that I can't answer, so I'll give it to him, is I don't have a guy that I say, how are they not hiring this guy? He's exponentially better. I know for a fact he's better than Patricia. I'm very leery with anybody that comes from Belichick. Why? Because it's very easy to coach under Bill Belichick when they're winning because of two things. And we know who it is, Belichick and Brady. And by the way, when you want to talk about this coaching tree and this New England team, how did Scott Pioli do when he left New England? So it's you... all these guys without Belichick and Brady, they can't win without them because we all agree, Belichick, maybe not you, you don't bet against Tom Brady, That's but is sure. Brady the GOAT? 
Is Brady the greatest we've ever seen? Is great yes. Brady a winner? That's is right. Belichick the greatest coach? So it's easy for other people so to you, look good around. Would them. you rather Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid guy than Matt Patricia as your coach next year? If you're asking between those two guys, I'd like prefer Patricia. Okay. I don't know what Patricia can do. I don't think Spagnuolo's got it in to be a winning head coach. I don't think he does. We'll see. And I and and I know you like to say I hedge my bets. I want to be wrong, yes, but that's not why I'm saying I don't like him. It's so that if I'm wrong, I can be like, well, at least we won. I want them all to work out. I don't care if we had Eric Studeville, who they interviewed this week, or uh, the, to get the uh, defensive coordinator from Carolina, who they'll never sign. But you worry that they would get him because Gettleman knew him in California. I was worried I didn't want him. Uh, what's his name? Glitz or, yes. or whatever it I is. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, whatever it is. But I, I would just afraid. now be concerned with and turn my attention to who are you bringing in as the offensive coordinator? Because that, to me, is going to be uh, a bigger deal than Matt Patricia coming in here. I think Matt Patricia and the defense will be fine, but you need somebody to come in here and ignite this offense the way that the Rams ignited their offense uh, this season. And have a play in the playbook that goes over 20 yards. Well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> well, and don't forget, because is this now, this is the other thing that I have to say about a defensive guy, and it's not necessarily Patricia as well, but if you take a defensive guy as a coach, um, are you taking a quarterback in the first round? Because at number two overall, you'd want an offensive head coach to be the guy working with him. You would think, right? I think if the Browns sign Cousins, I think you have to take a quarterback there because now you have your pick of the litter. So uh, to me, I think it all depends on really what the Browns do, to be honest with you. I still do think that they'll take the quarterback. I think that's what they're going to end up doing. But, I mean, uh, I'm with you, Rob. I'd trade back and get some offensive linemen. I think Eli Manning's the quarterback next year no matter what. Uh, it's hard to avoid the quarterbacks here. But, honestly, I'm not a head scout. I don't know how players are going to turn out to be. I, do, I personally don't like any of these quarterbacks coming to the draft. I don't like any of the quarterbacks in the draft either. I think that I think that there will be a couple of decent ones, but I don't think it's going to be the ones that are picked first. Uh, I think you might see, uh, you know, a Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson make a Pro Bowl before a Sam Darnold. I just there, think that's – or, or, or Josh Allen. When the Colts suck and you get that bona fide Andrew Luck can't miss guy. That guy's not there. We don't have that. You He's don't have there. that guy who you know is going to be good in the NFL. None of these guys, it's all a gamble. And, uh, nobody... I think one of those two guys are Allen's a Pro Bowler before Darnold is. And maybe even Rosen. And you hear that Rosen's kind of uh, kind of a douche. I don't like, like a lot of people don't like him. I don't like Donald at all. And yeah, Rosen doesn't really like the media. He doesn't uh, like talking to the media. But even coaches much. that like I, I heard that Donald, everybody that meets him is going to fall in love with him because he's such a good guy and all that. And Donald, now I mean, and uh, Rosen is saying he doesn't want to play for a team. Right, know? he's kind of a douche. I don't blame him. <laughs> Can't really blame him. Yeah, but uh, still, you know, um, he's pulling a little Elon Manning. He didn't want to play for the Chargers. And look how well that worked out. <laughs> All right, so we move on to college football. Uh, what a great national championship game on Monday night. And before we get there, just breaking news: Keith Jackson has passed away. Um, so if you're a college football game, you've grown up listening to Keith Jackson. So rest in peace to him. Um, yeah, uh, he was 89. He lived a great life. Um, 89 years old, died last night. Uh, you know his voice. You might not even know him by his name, but you've heard his voice. Um, so you know what? If you're going to go out as a legendary broadcaster, what better time to go out than after one of the great college football national championship games you've seen? Um, uh, who was it that tweeted this? The great tweet the other day about or retweeted the great tweet that um, only two quarterbacks have come in at halftime. To two win players. The, two, two players, players yes. have come in to uh, win the national championship game at halftime. And uh, one was uh, – the water boy. Yes, Bobby Boucher. Bobby yeah. Boucher. And then the other <laughs> one was two on uh, on uh, Monday night. Uh, we understand that he didn't do it on his own. If you listen to his interview, it was all his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that did all the work. But nevertheless, it was a great game to watch on Monday night. 
Yeah, even better than the Maple Leafs game. I, have to add. Yeah, I can't even pronounce that kid's name, so I'm not going to try. Sure. But uh, he came in and he looked awesome. He really ignited an offense that couldn't do anything under Hurts. Um, so, Vinny, I mean, where do they go from here? You're the college guy. Uh, it's, it's a no-brainer. Uh, don't watch college football next year because Alabama's winning it. This is they're going to recruit the best players. The running back Harris is coming back. He's going to be a Heisman candidate already. This guy Tua is the Heisman candidate already. You have to figure. They have a quarterback that can throw the ball. That's something they haven't had in a long time. A.J. McCarron wasn't a great passer for Alabama. They're going to get the best recruits again. They always have a top defense in the country. They can run the ball already, and now they have a guy who can throw it like that. This team is going to win the national championship back-to-back years. Somebody called him the lefty Russell Wilson. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a nice comparison. He, like that. he, has that kind of, he kind of has that little sharp snipe to him yeah. on his spirals. Um, and, and you know what? Just in overtime, he takes that big-ass sack, and then he throws it downfield immediately and connects. Uh, he was taking shots downfield. And it wasn't even, like, urgent. He made one pretty bad mistake. But for a kid, in his first game ever, just being the half of the national championship, they benched a guy who was 25-2 and two and brought him to the national championship last year for this kid. Who said, give him his props. He said everything right in the postgame. He really did. He you could tell that that hurt him, though. Oh, yeah. But he Hurts said was hurt everything But you know what? Right, that was man. a great look for him. And everybody was giving him props for it. Yep. Rightfully so. That's how you handle it. Even if you don't mean it, that's what you have to go out there exactly. and handle it. And uh, you know what? I hope for his sake. Um, he was a great teammate doing all that. I know he transfers, and he could go somewhere. He's going to have to sit out next year. But he could actually play two years since he's a sophomore with the transfer. Hopefully he goes to a good school and plays because there's no way he's starting over this no. two-a-kid because this guy's the real deal. And I wonder how he's going to escalate. Two years what did ago. you think when you saw that at halftime? I was very surprised. I was really surprised. I didn't know much about Tua, so I didn't know how good he was. And once I saw him start throwing the ball, I was like, wow, this kid could actually swing it. And uh, I knew Alabama had a shot because Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball like he could. What about when they missed that field goal at the end of the game? Oh that was God. one of the yeah. worst misses I've ever – I mean, that's what oh, yeah. I would look like at Turkey Ball for yeah. that Oh, yeah, for sure. That was uh, – and he missed one in the first half. They turned strike first in that game and started up 3 nothing, and he missed a uh, 20-something yarder. Two under-30-yard field goals he missed, and uh, he could have put the game away. Gave Georgia a shot to come back. But, I mean, the second half, it was just all Alabama. And this game really played with the emotion of anybody that bet on the game. No matter what they bet on, yeah. this game really messed with their emotion. Over-under implications. Yeah. Uh, Every the, single the thing itself. was spot on by Vegas, uh, <laughs> close enough to make it such an interesting and fun game unless you ended up on the wrong side of it. Uh, I know if it was a bookie's worst nightmare I read. Yeah, well, uh, coming from somebody who knows books pretty well, a lot of people were taking the <laughs> Alabama money line because it wasn't that expensive. You, you could have got Alabama under 200 for the money line, which is pretty nice. And um, Georgia covered the spread, and Alabama covered the money line, so a lot of parlays were hit. A lot of teases were hit. Whether you tease either team, you hit uh, in the points. So. And these two teams aren't going anywhere. I mean, you're the college football guy. These two teams aren't going. Are they, probably, they had two freshman quarterbacks. Yeah quarterback in their team to overtime of a national exactly. championship you got, you got two sophomores next year. These guys, you very well could see them again. Jake Fromm, uh, he actually showed some good signs. He looks some pretty good. good. Yeah. Out there. And as a freshman, you know he's only going to get better. What did you think of the running back, Sony Michelle? Uh, I was a little disappointed in Chubb in that game. Uh, and they also went away from him a little bit, too. But um, Georgia's, they still got two good backs over there. They're going to be running fine. Bo Scarborough for Alabama, you didn't see much of him. He's a pretty good back. He's going into the NFL draft now. They lost Calvin Ridley, but um, – Nick Saban, they're going to get the top recruits, and they already have maybe the best quarterback in college football now. So a lot of people um, were talking about the running backs, and I actually um, heard, what's his face, um, Art Scott, not that I would listen to him on purpose on the radio, but I, I heard him. and He, he can't wait. He though. liked Sony Michelle better than Saquon Barkley in the NFL. I don't care what Bart Scott has to say. I don't either. It's the worst <laughs> show on the, the radio today. Yeah, he got a job enough. because he said can't wait in a post-game interview. I agree. That's why he sits behind his desk now. So that wraps up. friends with Boomer Science. Trendy. 
Yeah, that wraps. They had Boomer on live this week. They're doing anything they can to get any yeah. kind of rating and any kind of Two good. Two years. Uh, they're all different hosts. Don't worry. I don't want to jump and change subjects. I know it's usually your job, Rob, but I can't stop looking at the TV right now and seeing this Hugh Darvish stuff about the Yankees and that deal. And uh, Mike, do you know all about this stuff? I do. So <laughs> I have notes on that also, Vinny. Hold on. Well, is, is it is it annoying to you while Mike finds his notes that this guy seems to be like a WWE guy, like pushing a storyline? He's like throwing all these tweets out in hieroglyphics. He's or whatever an idiot, he and if that is true, I don't and, and like all that his deal. tweets and all, but all his tweets are out there giving you what is and what is not going on, and who is and who is interested. Like he's trying to keep you like it's a soap opera. Like he right. is. just negotiate he's and find your team. The truth. He first tweets there's no offer to me, and then he tweets, oh wait, there was an offer, like, but the, but there were years are wrong. The money so was wrong. Michael <laughs> K reported this week on his show that you Darvish was offered by the Yankees seven years, one hundred and sixty million dollars, which first of all would be a horrendous. Horrendous contract by the Yankees. And I want Darvish. Second, Darvish came out and said that that wasn't accurate. They never offered him a deal. Then he came out and said they did offer me a deal, but um, the the numbers, he didn't say whether the length or the money yeah. uh, isn't correct. So, uh, I mean, to me, I can't see the Yankees offering seven years, 160. That would turn out to be worse than the Sabathia contract. Uh, this is somebody that's already had arm issues that was sluggish in the playoffs. I can't see them. Uh, you know, they don't have a desperate need for a pitcher to not, give that money. And so. it's not just about that. It's about staying under the luxury tax. Right. And why was the Sabathia contract bad? Oh, the amount of money, I think. Uh, oh, not this one. The last, well, they got, they got every year, penny's worth of that. I think Chief Sabathia's yeah. contract yeah. was very, very good, and that's why they I think he, him another year. I think he bounced back last year and made it look better. They than don't win was, that 2000 uh, World Series. He won that You know, there was two years there where you thought that was one of the worst contracts. And he was great. Yeah, he had two very, very bad years. But when you get a ring with a guy like that, he's been the ace of the staff for many years of that contract. He, uh, you want to say the Ellsbury contract is the worst? That's not even debatable. That's a bad one. Uh, he led the contract he, he led the league and wins twice and had another year where he was nineteen and eight. So his first three years with the Yankees, you thought he was worth every actually four years. He was fifteen and six then in two thousand twelve. So his first four years he was worth every single yeah, penny. Then they won a World Series. Uh, four point seven eight ERA. Then two thousand fourteen, five point two eight. Four point seven three. Yeah, it's, sometimes that's what's gonna happen though, when you have to sign these guys. Now don't forget they don't hit free agency until the late twenties. And they all want these long term deals. So you're going to have to give a long-term deal at a big money to get him for his prime years and get the most out of him in his prime years, which they got. And then on the backside of it is where it hurts you. And that seems to have happened until he found the fountain of youth this year going 14 to five. Well, you know, he checked himself into rehab for his alcoholism and he actually bounced back and finally learned that he can't throw with the same velocity and he actually maintained his pitch. Did you see his record as a Yankee pitcher? I didn't. You Probably want to take a guess at how many wins he has as a Yankee? Uh, I'm, I'm actually shocked by it as a guy. How many years? Seven years? Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, nine years. Nine, nine years. years with wow, that's, that's wow. crazy. Okay. Uh, it's nine, gone by really fast. In nine years, I bet you he had 120 wins. I'll say 150. Well, Vinny was way off. He was exactly on. 120 and wow. 73 <laughs> for the 375 uh, and a World Series ring. The show Carson for it. Charles Sabathia Hall of Fame. Uh, Mike, uh, listen, I get about 2014, 15, 16. He wasn't. Well, you can't even look at 2015. Six and ten. No, I, I said 2014 and 15. In six. Nine and twelve. Uh, you know. Yeah, nine, 391 ERA. 391 ERA. Nine years of the Yankee. He was a bad contract because he had two bad years. Three, four, four bad years. Well, all right, I'll, I'll ask you this way then, and you're not a Yankee fan. I so think if, I was mistaken for saying it was a bad contract. But they that, certainly but gave a ton of money, uh, and now he's had, you know, this decline. Well, if do you think that Brian Cashman in the fall of 2000 or the winter into the 2009 season would have signed for that money? Cashman now signing for 120 wins in a World Series? I'm sure he would have. Absolutely. 
And in I the think end, anybody so would the, sign up for that. So in the end, I guess you got to be okay with the it. The World Series speaks very, very, very big. He's going to um, actually be a guy that's on that Hall of Fame ballot. He's, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. I'm he's not going to be a Hall of Fame. You can't hold these pitchers. That's why I'm huge on Mike Yastrzemski. He's not going to be a Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. You can't. Because Nova, a 250 is the new 300. That's the new win mark. He's got just career ERA, bro. 370. It's not bad. A lot of complete it's not games. For All-American League, it's not bad. A lot of complete games. This guy was a whole 38, com- 38 complete wins. games. Joe Girardi loves the pitch count. Let's see what I had. A lot more complete games <laughs> in the Bronx, too. <laughs> His average season is 16-10 and 10 with a 370 ERA, but he's only got one Cy Young. Um, he's got pretty good postseason numbers. He'll too. be on the ballot, and he'll stay on the ballot. I don't know if he'll ever get to that 75%. you got to stop pulling these pitchers to Greg Maddox volumes. you got to stop Well, that. we'll stay on baseball hot stove here for a few uh Jay Bruce signed. You guys know how I felt with the Mets. Three years, $39 million. But the I listeners feel, might not know, so tell them. Sure. Uh, I thought it was a great signing. I, I put out even a blog, uh, which is something we don't do, but uh, I put one out there. It's just a no-brainer. He's going to play right field. If Bruce uh, – I'm sorry, if Smith sucks, which I think he will, he'll end up seeing some first base time. Uh, $39 million for a guy that hit 36 home runs last year. Uh, no-brainer. Um, you heard Stalin Castro came out this week. He wants to get traded. $38 million, uh he's owed over the next three years is a nothing contract. The Giants were supposed to be close to McCutcheon. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Cole, uh, that was the big story this week, too, guys. You heard Cole to Houston. Everybody said it was done. John Morosi said the deal is done. Well, it wasn't. Uh, so he's still out there. J.D. Martinez came out this week. He said he's going to hold out till spring training if he doesn't get what he wants. He wants seven years, $200 million. The Red Sox are supposedly in the five-year, 120 to $150 million range. Miguel Sano could be suspended uh, even if he's found not guilty. And Cody Bellinger supposedly put on 15 pounds of, uh, of muscle, so that'll be interesting to see. Your take on all of this. Uh, I'll start with Cody Bellinger and then whatever one you want to get to. Uh, that scares me, the Cody Bellinger thing. That's when you start seeing the small, annoying injuries, the, uh, the, 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 the leg injuries, running out of ball or diving for a ball in the outfield. Or uh, what's the, the oblique? Mm-hmm. Everybody gets an oblique injury these days, so, you know, swinging a bat. We didn't know what oblique was 20 years ago. Uh, so that scares me about Cody Bellinger, actually. I think it's funny how the Pittsburgh Pirates can't seem to trade these guys. They've had many Garrett Cole situations. They just can't pull the trigger on that. And uh, I thought they were trying to make the Yankees bluff, you know, yeah, with, uh, so with the yeah. whole thing and try to get the Yankees to finally pull one of those prospects. Because yep. we all know how dearly they want the stud prospects. But they said it's as real as it gets, Vinny. They said uh, Houston is offering one of their top outfield prospects. So. And, hey, listen, that would be a great move for Houston. Don't get me wrong. Look at that rotation. You'll have McCullers as your four. Right. You're going to have uh, you're gonna have Cole. You're going to have uh, Keuchel. You're going to have Verlander and, and McCullers at four. That's a dangerous rotation for the defending champs over there. That's a move <laughs> I, if I'm Houston, I'm doing. Cause their lineup's. Still as good as it was last year. And they're young. Yeah, they're not losing. They're not really pursuing Darvish. But you know what? I was actually thinking of it. Remember, who's the guy, the oddest looking guy? Oddest of Pokemon. uh, Houston Astros. He's got the the, uh, Asian eyes, the Darvish. Maybe that's the reason Darvish don't want to go over there. I forgot his name. (laughs) Oh, uh, Yuli Gurriel? Yes, yes. And, uh, so, all right, it's the Pokemon with Julie Gurriel. <laughs> it took me a minute, Vinny. He looks like Odd the Pokemon. Look it up. It's, it's great. His hair is the same way. And I wonder if they were interested in Darvish and he won't go over there. But who knows what's going on with Darvish anyway. McCutcheon's not going to go to the Mets now that they got their outfielder. Nope. But uh, Jason Kipnis, I heard there was some rumors yes. going on about that. What's up with that, Mike? So, Kipnis, uh, supposedly there was a deal done. John Heyman came out this week, wrote a whole article that the Mets had a deal for Kipnis. He was coming here. The Mets went to ownership. They said, we have a deal in place to bring Kipnis over here. I forget what he's owed. I think he has three more years left on a pretty healthy contract, and the ownership said, no, we don't want to do that deal. So you don't know the prospects involved, but you have to think it was because of money that they didn't want to pull the trigger. What about um, our – we have a viewer from Japan 
So if you can get us any intel, Tim from Japan, Tim, um, about what's going on with this Darvish deal, you can read all the tweets better than us because they're all written in Japanese. So. Does the J.D. Martinez thing scare you guys at all? Uh, you know, if you're a team like the Red Sox, who we all agree need to make a move for that bat to, eat, to answer Stanton, uh, and he's saying, hey, I'll hold out, I'll wait. Why not turn around and go say, uh, all right, Carlos Gonzalez, here's $20 million for one year. Carlos Gonzalez sucks, and J.D. Martinez uh, is third. Um, well, Carlos Gonzalez, don't forget, he had a down year, and he was playing in Colorado. Coming off injuries. Yeah, but he was a really bad, bad year for a bad year. That short right field, though, out in, uh, in Boston, you would have to think. I've he, always uh, been a Carlos Gonzalez. He's always been on a fantasy team. Right? He was just so bad last year. And you worry about him outside of course field, right? You have to. Right. You have to. I agree so That's where I, that's but where it's I worry like about. the Giants coaching situation. You can't wait for these guys. You know, you kind of have to make a move then. But don't forget this, though. The, the Red Sox are still in a good position with J.D. Martinez because he doesn't have a lot of suitors out there that can pay like that. They're saying Arizona. Why so do then, these teams not want to pay anybody? They're so. So then why? So then why force him away? So are you willing? So are you willing to force a guy like JD Martinez away when you only have one other suitor for him, so that you can get cargo? I mean, seven years. You're looking at it now. He'd be 38 years old. To me, no. This is cargo. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. What's up? Kipnis is owed 30.5 million over the next two years with a 2020 option buyout option. Yeah. So the Mets would have to pay 15 a year. Cargo last year, uh, last year, 14 homers, 57 RBIs, playing in uh, Coors Field, hit 262, which was his lowest batting average since 2004. Well, and he was hurt in 2004. Yeah, I think he was really hurt until September, uh, and then he started to, you know, to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, he's only 31, so he's not like he's out of his, you know, he's out of his prime. He's still in his prime. A one-year show-me deal. I mean, you know, teams are getting crushed by these big contracts these players want, and you know what, and a lot. and a lot of agents came out and said they gave Bruce contract thirteen million dollars a year for a guy that hits thirty five and drives in a hundred. Deal. That's killing the market for these outfielders right. that wanted more money. It's it's such a team friendly deal. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a seven year deal, he'll be uh, what thirty seven? No, seven. He'll be thirty seven. Yeah, he'll you be thirty seven years old. Start next year, thirty right. years old. I mean, this guy hit twenty nine homers and sixty five five RBIs last year in sixty five games I in know. Arizona. His total was forty five and one hundred four, and he only played. 119 games. He missed 40 games last year. 40 games. He Rob, he missed 40 games the year before that also. But and no, then, my point is, he missed he another 40. He had 45 40. home runs missing 40 games. I, I, He's worth every penny. Uh, Don't get cargo. Wait out J.D. Martinez. He doesn't <laughs> have a lot of suitors. This guy, if, if he played those 40 games, he would have been better than Aaron Judge last year. He should year. stay in Arizona because he just killed it over yeah. there. He would have been, been better than Aaron Judge. But you also know that that was because he was in the contract Seven year. Seven years. He's not going to do that oh. again. He was on pace for 65 homers last year. Look at these year. names, though. They all, I think it's the years that's telling more than the money. Right. Like, Hosmer wants so many years. J.D. wants so many years. Jake Arrieta won the Cy Young a couple of years ago, and you don't even hear his name in free agency anymore. You Darvish apparently declined a seven-year deal, which I'm very glad that he didn't do. Yep. Believe me, I'm all for you Darvish coming to New York, but not for not that contract. That and definitely not in no that shot. No way. That'd be terrible. But uh, even the Manny Machado, this guy is a bona fide stud, and they can't even trade this guy. They can't do anything because of the one-year deal lingering over right. him. There's just so they many said, big names going out there, and nobody's making any moves. They said the Arizona uh, is being so persistent, though. They just showed it again, that they are offering whatever we, you want from our farm, you can have it from Manny Machado. Do you think there's going to be a team that just comes out of nowhere? Like, it, like Padres always have their name in the mix. Do you think they're just going to come in there and swoop up Hosmer for, like, uh, seven years and give it to them? Yeah, uh, then we'll never they're come offering, again. Or yeah. even, like, the Phillies, who quietly signed Carlos Santana. Right. Really but that, well, about. I'm glad you brought him up. Look at Santana's contract for three years, and then go look at Jay Bruce's. I mean, Santana gets on base more. Santana play first in the outfield, which Bruce is just learning first base. Uh, Santana strikes out less. 
But um, the amount of money for the three years is just ridiculous. And I think you're going to see Jay Bruce a lot of first base. I agree with you. Uh, I think Conforto's hurt more than what they're telling you. I think he's going to miss two months to start the season, which would not surprise me at all. Uh, he's young. You don't want to rush him back. And the other thing is, uh, is also – you could trade him again for another single-A pitcher that will never play for your team come the deadline. So uh, he's got a five-team no-trade clause. They'll and, trade uh, him again. Happy Harvey Day signed for a year, right? Yeah, which, listen, if you didn't want to bring Matt Hardy back for that one year, you're an idiot. Yeah, what he can become and yeah. what he's done in the past for one year, if he sucks, you don't bring him back. And you can get some great value for him if he has a good first half. Of course you can. You trade him, sure. Because you know how valuable these arms go yep. at the trade deadline. So, it's a no-brainer. One-year deal, nothing wrong with that. Let's move on to the NBA. Big move for the Knicks today. They cut Ramon, Ches- Ramon Sessions and uh, signed Trey Burke. Uh, oh, man. it's about time well, Burke's coming Trey up. Trey Burke finally gets the He was killing was it. pretty excited G-League. about him. That kid could ball out in college. He was one of the Naismith uh, Trophy Award winners, and he was a uh, went to the national title game with Michigan. He He's pretty fun to play. He's a former Jazz first-round pick. Trey Burke, they need some threes. Now that Hardaway's finally back, they probably getting some more. But it's nice to have Trey Burke in there. He's an athletic kid. He uh, should make a – should make a big still fairly young, too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't mind the move at all. I really don't. This is exactly what I was – And Ramon about. Sessions are very old. I don't even know why they hired him. Nick's 2-8 and eight in their last 10, Vinny. 4-15 uh, and 15 on the road. It's almost like an automatic to bet against them on the road. It really is. They lost to the Pelicans again last night on the road. Uh, um, they uh, just, Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the T-Wolves. Carl Anthony Towns proved why he is better than Chris Porzingis over there. He had a monster game, like a fist <laughs> shot from a triple-double. The Knicks are on a seven-game road trip. Uh, they do get the Nets in that seven games. We know that's not really a road trip game for them. But they got to do something here because this is a team that was battling like two games over 500 most of the year. Now they dipped uh, four games under 500, and it's going to get ugly because the East is actually fairly more competitive now, and they're battling 500. The Knicks were in playoff contention. They are not anymore, and they got to get going. And they're not going to do it unless they win some games on the road, and that's been the story all year. This team does not win when they're away from MSG. Uh, you'd almost though, we talked about this early on when they started off uh, on a pretty good start. You almost want them to, to be in that lottery, though, to add another pick to Nicolina and to Porzingis. So I really don't have a problem with it. I don't want them to be – 500 the whole year. If anything, I'd rather them just lose and, you know, and get in that lottery. And you know, that's probably what's going to happen, Mike. They're not going to make the playoffs, <laughs> and they're going to have a low-end lottery pick, and it's going to suck. Because right. I want to see them get in the playoffs. If they're going to battle, if they're going to stay where they are right now, they're looking in. Uh, I want to see them in, because I want to see them get in the first year of the Carmelo. That means a lot to me. But what's best for the team is really having a low-end lottery pick and building around Chris Stapps. And they're starting to fall out of it. They're three games they behind are. the Pacers. Don't forget, they've still played – road trip coming up. They've still played more home games than road games, and that's going to catch up to them. I don't, I don't know how the Knicks and Rangers both have so many more home games than road games played. What is going on at the Garden? Billy Joel. Well, you Billy know what happens, March. Come on. <laughs> in March, that building is occupied by college basketball. Uh, the other thing that struck me, too, about uh, the NBA guys is the Cavaliers, since Isaiah Thomas has come back, their last 10, they're 3-7. and seven. You saw LeBron freaking out on the sidelines this week as they got blown out twice this week, lost again last night. What's wrong with uh, Cleveland, Vinny? They don't play defense. They give up so many points they can't even compete because, uh, you know what, not a lot of people, if Kevin Love doesn't get hot, it's actually becoming a problem because Isaiah Thomas is off to a sluggish start. And I don't, th- I don't expect that to continue. But um, they got to work in. They got to gel. He's never played with LeBron. He was running the show over there in Boston. It seems that uh, this always happens when new guys come to play with LeBron. It seems like such a failure. The Kevin Love thing was a failure. You had to play off ball. Wasn't. You're an off-ball player when you're playing with LeBron. Uh, LeBron has the ball. And Isaiah Thomas was the guy with the ball making the plays. Now he's got to play off the ball. It's very different. Uh, you got to get used to it. It's very, very different. And the Cavs play no defense, and it's killing them. But there's really no reason to worry. They could lose all they want. They're going to probably still finish with a top three seed. 
Uh, Boston and the Raptors will definitely be in the top three. It's going to be those three teams battling in the East. But it doesn't matter where you're seated. I think the Cavs will still go to the NBA Finals because it's just that damn hard to beat LeBron James in a seven-game series. And what about, you know, the Western Conference? I mean, who is the team right now at the halfway part, uh, halfway mark that is going to give Golden State the best challenge? Is it Houston? Or is it a team like Minnesota who's kind of up and coming? They put a lot of pieces in their lineup this year uh, in the offseason to try to fight, you know, for that spot in the West. And it started to work out. They're 28-16. Uh, they beat the Knicks last night. That doesn't mean much. But they're only six games out of uh, first in the whole conference. I'm a big fan of the T-Wolves. I think they got the players that actually gel together. I'm like, okay, see. Okay, see, because T-Wolves, they have the big man, Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, see, they don't have that big man as part of their big three. It's all three guys who want the ball and need the ball. And that's why the Thunder isn't working out that well. The T-Wolves, I really like. I believe in them. Jimmy Butler's a stud. Carl Anthony Towns is a stud. They just got Jeff T back, and Andrew Wiggins can put up points. They got a lot of scorers on that team. So the T-Wolves are definitely a force to reckon with. But um, the, the team that's going to reckon with the Warriors is definitely the Rockets, who have been exceptional this year. James Harden and Chris Paul, I didn't think they were going to gel well together at all because they both guys need it, especially Harden. But, uh, you know, what they do, they sit down Chris Paul, and then Chris Paul plays most of the second quarter, and then they gel a little bit in the fourth. But they have Harden playing at one time and then Paul playing at one time. It's really working over there. Mike D'Antoni is a good coach, guys. Remember when he coached the Knicks and he was smashed for being a shitty coach? He's a pretty damn good coach, and he's got to figure it out over there with a good team. And he has and he has them scoring at the same pace with Golden State. They're both averaging 115 points per game. So he, that's what D'Antoni does. That's I'm all he ever needed. He I know he's a good it. point guard. Look what he did with Phoenix and Steve Nash. In New York, he had no point guard. And he wanted to draft Steph Curry. He was very big on that. And the Knicks, uh, they didn't pass up on Curry. He actually One pick before, before yeah. Yes, and he was very big. He wanted Steph Curry bad. Um, and is Toronto the real deal? Can they – is it them – that's going to go uh, at Boston into the conference finals, or is Cleveland going to be able to uh, get back there and face Boston? Cleveland's definitely going to the conference finals, but the Raptors are good enough to beat the Celtics if they ever align, which they won't if they stay at the one and two right now. The Raptors, I said it uh, on the other show, they remind me of the Spurs in the Eastern Conference. They have guys that are superstars over there that you don't hear about. They just win games officially. They quietly always have 50-game win seasons, 50-win uh, seasons, sorry. And the Raptors are definitely good enough to go to the Eastern Conference finals, but if they run to the Cavs, they're not going to beat the Cavs. I'm glad you compared them to the Spurs, Vinny, because something that they have in common, Toronto at home, 15-2. and two. Spurs at home, 18-2, uh, and, and two, which I saw this morning. So that's a great comparison. On home court, they're just dominating their opponents. And they play both sides of the ball, both those teams, which is very rare to see in the NBA these days. You have a uh, MVP of the NBA at the halfway point? My MVP is either Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak of Milwaukee, or even LeBron. LeBron's numbers are – Better than they've been in previous years, believe it or not. And he's doing it more on his own due to Isaiah out for the most part. Even with their recent struggles, it might be LeBron getting that fifth title because nobody's really sparking like they normally do because Kevin Durant and Curry outbalance themselves. And, you know, they check each other out over there in uh, Golden State. Chris Paul and James Harden check each other out. OKC, you see Russell Westbrook's not putting up those ridiculous numbers he did last year in his MVP reign. So it's really between LeBron and the Greek freak, if you ask me. Uh, Yeah. Kawhi Leonard's been out most of the year. I mean, yeah, it's got to be LeBron. There's nobody more valuable to him. To their team, he's still LeBron. I don't even like LeBron, but who's more valuable to their team than LeBron? I've written down Harden uh, for the MVP just because they're 30-11, as you see. He's averaging 32.3 points a game, and he has meshed with Chris Paul. I, I thought it was going to be a disaster for them. I thought they were going to turn into OKC. So, anyway, to, uh, to me, you know, and surprisingly, though, my Chris Paul's been putting up some better numbers than James Harden. And the Daily Fantasy, he's putting up more points. And who would have thought that? Because James Harden is definitely that you three-way monster. And then 
Did Chris you, Paul is coming in there and he's running a great did show. Did you think it was going to work out when the trade was not at all? I, I was like, that's a bad move. <laughs> yep. I was like, uh, Chris Paul is actually notorious for not winning in the postseason. He's never been to a cha- uh, conference championship ever. But then you see the Madden commercials, you can buy in. I mean, those Madden commercials are great. Yeah, and the State Farm commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Plus Paul. What's but, your um, biggest surprise in the NBA this year? Well, it could be good or bad, but you have a, something that stands out to you as the biggest surprise is a team that's not in it, that should be in it, a team that's as uh, better than you thought they would be. Is there a big surprise for you this year? I would say the Denver Nuggets been a surprise uh, getting in there. Um, they're a really fun team. They have a lot of scorers on that team. Jokic, they play really fast. They're actually a really fun team to watch, and they put up a lot of points. Um, something else that surprises me, though, uh, what was I just going to say, in the in the East, I think? Oh, yeah, Victor Oladipo in Indiana. He is a stud over there. Uh, shout out to my boy Brandon and his Pacers over there. <laughs> Oladipo has earned himself a spot in this All-Star game, and he has proven to be a worthy player who was shadowed by uh, Russell Westbrook in OKC. Now that he's running the show, he defeated LeBron James a second time this year for the Indiana Pacers, who always give the Cavaliers yeah. trouble. Yeah. Shout out to Oladipo, big time, probably the most improved player this year. Yeah, so that's it. I mean, the, the thing for me is this Western Conference, five through nine, they're all within a game and a half. So there's going to be five teams fighting for four spots, the Clippers, Pelicans, Thunder, Nuggets, and Blazers. It uh, looks like the top four is going to be pretty set. You know those yeah. are the four best teams in the West. Definitely. But then you got all these teams. I mean, if you want to throw the Jazz in, I don't think I would. They're not anywhere near 500. So those five teams, one of those teams is going to be left out of the The game. Jazz actually slipped off. They were in the playoffs for most of the year. They three and seven in their last ten as well. I like the Jazz because they're a gritty basketball team. They play my kind of basketball. They play defense. They play hard nose. They rebound. And they don't really – they're not very flashy over there. But uh, it's not really working. They really slumped. And in the West, you can't really fall behind too far. I mean, those four teams at the top, I mean, you don't want to play any of them. No doubt those are the best four teams in the West, maybe in all basketball too. All right, 11.43 over the top sports radio talking basketball. Guys, we got a Christoph Porzingis jersey. Uh, Still waiting to give it away. So that will be given away soon, imminently. We'll (laughs) find a way. We'll get it to you guys, uh, get it out there. Um, but the jerseys have come in, except for the other Barzell. jerseys have come in, except Matt Barzell. We will get those out to you guys by the end of this week. We'll try to get it uh, to all of our fans that won jerseys on last Saturday morning's 50th edition. Today, number 52 for Over the Top Sports Radio. And uh, the best football week, we already previewed that. We've talked some basketball, some baseball. Islanders, Rangers coming up in an hour and 15 minutes. Mike, I want to ask you a little bit about the Rangers. Sure. Um, I sent you that article by Larry Brooks. Um, he's um, of the thinking that maybe the Rangers record, while it's good, it's starting to cloud some judgment maybe that makes them think that they're better than they really are. Now, before the season, you said that they were going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. I did. Um, and they're still in position. I mean, listen, they're, they're over 500. They occupy a playoff spot right now. And they would be playing Washington in the first round. And we've seen that a million times. You know the Rangers can beat the Capitals. Um, what do you think about the Rangers going forward? How, how, what's your – Halfway through the season, a game ago, uh, bye week's over. What are your thoughts on that? I had predicted the Rangers and the Oilers, which looks uh, – I look like an idiot right now. Um, <laughs> the Oilers have not been good. No. Um, <laughs> the Rangers, to me – listen, Larry Brooks uh, is the definition of a jackass. He um, is somebody that has always tried to go against the organization, even though he follows them. And uh, he brought up some decent points, that he would trade Rick Nash at the deadline – uh, he said Lundqvist is having an MVP type season, which he has, and, and people haven't expected that from him because of his age. Yeah, yes. Especially the first uh, couple weeks of the season, he didn't sure. look like he was sure. there. 
Uh, Pavlik has been a great number two. They looks like they found another solid uh, number every two. Every number two is pretty good for the Rangers. I have to give it to them. Ranta, ben Wilder, man. These guys ben are Waller. always good with them. Um, so he, he makes some interesting points. I would sell some certain areas, sure. But at the same time, Lundqvist is how old? There's pieces on this team that are how old? Uh, McDonough's contract, I think he has this year and maybe one more left. So uh, you, you can't just go and sell the team and say, all right, we're going to play for next season. Let's add some more pieces. With Lundqvist as your starting goalie, you have to keep going for it. Yeah, the team is still fairly young. The core is still fairly young. That It'll bounce back next season if you don't win at all, which I don't expect them to at this point. But, um, you know, to trade Rick Nash when he's somebody that, uh, if you watch the Winter Classic, come, you know, on uh, NBC, that loves New York, his family's here, that might come back next season on a reduced salary, uh, it just seems asinine to me. It really does. Now, is it asinine? Or, I mean, is he worth it, though? Uh, seriously, no, I'm he's not, not worth a hater. Is no, he worth... no, no. He's not worth what he's getting paid Oh, right he's now. never going to get that again. Right. And he's already had his big but, deal. Rob, if fine. I said to you, you know, two years, $10 million next year, and uh, there's times he's still the best player on the ice, uh you know, in a leadership role where he's not a, you know, the captain, uh, you know, to me, it's worth it. It really is. Um, how much does leadership mean to you? Um, a lot. It really okay, does. That's, that's fine. And then that's your answer. I was going to say, because you're giving $5 million a year to a guy that right now is on pace for 35 points, you know, but if the leadership means a lot and Nash has always been a good, responsible defensive player. He has. Um, yeah, that's a lot of money for him, but it's not going to kill their cap. Um, so here's the other guy that's very interesting to me is Michael Grabner. And that's A, because I'm an Islanders fan, but B, because this guy continues to yes. do it. He did it with the Islanders. He is your he number one priority year. re-signing him if you're the Rangers. Um, he's a must. He fits in the system, the skating system of Elaine Vigneault so well. He's done nothing uh, short of exceed every expectation since they brought him over here uh, originally on a, on a no-nothing deal. He is the number one priority bringing him over. You also have Mark Stahl's contract coming off the books next year. Um, you'll have a little bit of cat room. The Brandon Smith signing looks atrocious right now. And, um, you know, there's some areas where you have to improve. But to me, to say that you're going to start selling off pieces, you can't do it with Lundqvist as your goalie. No, and uh, I would give him a deal. And, you know, he should get paid. He's 30 years old. He's on pace for 36 goals. He had 34 goals with the Islanders. He had, what, 27 last year, 27 last year. And he's going to win the Cy Young Award. He's got 18 and four. You ever you ever see goals to assist? It yep. looks like a record of a Cy Young Award winner. He gels into that system so well. But he so does well. everything. He kills penalties. Yep. He's people get on him for scoring empty net goals. You know what? If John Tavares scored 45 goals here and every single one of them was an empty netter, I'd be happy as hell because we won 45 games. Right. You win the game when he gets an empty netter. You put it away. It's like killing a penalty at the end of the game and you get the goal out of it. I'm um, mistaken. He, Mark Stahl doesn't have a year left. Mark Stahl has four years. Yeah. Uh, three years after this year. So that is a big issue for them. Uh, uh, the McDonough is this year and next and year. You know one guy that's um, disappointed me, and this is like, once again, I'm, I'm very, very, you know, neutral on this. I'm not a right. hater. But you followed the games. So no, I and I watch a lot of opinion. the games. I thought Brady Shea would be better than he's been. If you look at his stats, though, Rob, he's somebody, um, numbers wise, he's not putting up the numbers, but he he's takes never the body. Gone. Right. He takes the body. He's a phenomenal skater, and uh, I'm fine with where he's I was, 23 I was years old. I was thinking he was going to be the fun. next guy to take the stall Girardi, you know, spot. Uh, I don't know if he's done that yet. I think he's solid. I just – he's 20 – I actually had sucked. Maybe it's because I had too high expectations for him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be the Rangers' best defenseman this year. I thought it was going to be better than Shattenkirk all around. He's not going to score the goals and right. get the power play points. That's not Brady Shea's game. Uh, I thought that Stahl, uh, you know, he's getting older. I don't – 
I hate his contract. God, I, I would hate it yeah, if I was a Ranger fan. But, I mean, you're paying for him kind of like CC Sabathia, 40-50 in the past. Right. But I just – maybe my expectations were too high for Shea. But don't forget, he's going to get protection too. He's restricted for agents. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But uh, I'm fine with where Shea is. I really am. Uh, he's taking some good steps. He's the first defenseman out in overtime also. He plays in, uh, on three-on-three. Three. He's out there uh, in front of Shattenkirk. Maybe it's because he has uh, a cool number too. It could be. Uh, yeah. He's also a phenomenal skater. So uh, I'm fine with where he is. I really am. Uh, he's a top-four defenseman for the next you know, eight years for the Rangers easily. And two more questions about the Rangers. It looks like Vinny wants to chime in too. You can jump in too. You're probably going to make fun of the Islanders, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, number one, notes on the Islanders for though. some reason, everybody is at odds about the use of Pavel Buchnevich. Mm-hmm. And I have heard Ranger fans tell me straight up he sucks, which I completely disagree no, with, by idiots. the way. Yeah, they, I think they are idiots. And, um, but why is there so much going on about his ice time and all this? I mean, the guy's he is your years old. typical Russian that skates when he wants to skate and plays when he wants to play. And when he does, he, he's productive. He's right. third on the team in scoring. He's only five points off of the lead from Zuccarello. That's all it is. He, you know, he started, he's been playing on the fourth line at times. Uh, Vigneault hasn't really found a way to use him consistently. But he is. He's your typical Russian. When he wants to play, he's going to play. When he doesn't want to play, he's going to go do figure eights out there. And, and that's something that you have to figure out. He's still young. You have to get the, the most out of him. So, uh, you know, it is what it is, but uh, he's somebody that you really need to to pull more out of, almost like Kreider. You know, Kreider on certain nights is is phenomenal out there, and now he's going to miss some time, but there's other nights he's invisible. And my last one about the Rangers is, who knew that Boo Nieves' real name was Cristoval? Um, I had seen that, actually, I never that it was Cristoval. I just and, knew him uh, as Boo Nieves. Boo is just much better. Cristoval. Let's um, talk about today's game. The Rangers and the Islanders going off 1 o'clock in the world's most famous arena. The New York Rangers minus 145 favorites, but the Islanders seem to win, especially when Halak is in net. Uh, Halak has some great success against the Rangers. Uh, what are we going to see here today? Because both these teams have been off for quite some time. And I don't know what was going on with this little bye week they were having. We're going to see two teams with a lot of injuries playing against each other. The Islanders are as banged up as they've been all year, maybe in years. Bailey's out, right? Bailey, Ladd, and Boychuk are all out. So they're Hayes is likely out. Hayes is out, and obviously Kreider's out yep. for the rest of the year. So these are just guys that are normally put in these games that you're used to seeing in this rivalry that won't be there. Um, the bye week, they got it right this year. And a lot of people are complaining about the bye week, especially fantasy hockey players, because they have 10 teams, or, or, or I think every team is on a bye in like a 10- or 12-day span. So a lot of teams are off at the same time. So now in fantasy, you got like your roster. You have one guy today, three guys tomorrow, one guy Wednesday, one guy Friday, and your your team, you're not getting anything out of it. But you know what? It's not for fantasy hockey. It's for these guys. It's in their CBA to have the bye week. And last year, what was happening is the Islanders would be the only team on a bye week. And they'd have five days off, and they'd come back and play a game and lose. Yep. And the Rangers would have five days off and play a team that's been playing all week and lose. And every team lost their game after the bye they week did. last year. So they had to try to way to make it where you're not getting this – Almost automatic loss off your bye week. So I think it worked out well. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Not only are they off a bye week, but a 1 o'clock game is very – it's a weird game. Weird stuff happens in hockey at 1 o'clock games. These are just not what the players are accustomed to doing. So it's going to be a weird game. I also won eight of their last nine games against the Rangers. Um, I, can't, I, I can't say that they're going to win with, with Bailey and Ladd and Boychuk missing. But somehow they always find a way to beat the Rangers. It's not really bad odds if you're a betting man to bet them they're getting good plus money. Yeah, I agree with you. They do. They own the Rangers. Um, there's no disputing that. Um, speaking of the last met, uh, place, Metropolitan New York Islanders, uh, Ledecky was on the radio this week, Rob. We tweeted some things. 
He said it could take 16 months before a shovel even breaks ground out in Belmont, which if it, that's the case, it's not opening in three years. It's just mathematically impossible. Secondly, he said Nassau Coliseum, they looked at it. Bettman took the tour this week of Nassau Coliseum uh, to hopefully play some, not all, it's some uh, home games there next season. Uh, and it would sit 13,000 only, 13,000 people. Uh, the luxury suites are horrendous there. They've already said that. They would not be making even a profit off the luxury suites. What do you take of this after Ledecky came out and said that? Um, so after that happened, um, actually Gary Bettman uh, visited the Coliseum and they had this big expose that actually comes out, um, I think, tomorrow in Newsday. But I read some of it. I've seen some of it. Um, and they basically said what has to happen at the Coliseum renovation-wise for the Islanders to get these games. And actually, I think it will be the full season. That's what's wow. going to end up happening. But it's not next season. Next season, they're 100% committed to Barclays so it's Center. two years from No now. matter what, next season, they'll be in Barclays. So this is in two years, which is good because it gives them time to make these renovations for the NHL that the NHL wants. They want bigger locker rooms. Who's going to have to pay for this before you get into it? Or the owners. So it's going to be on the Islanders and Barclays Center. Now, don't forget, Barclays Center is – it's going to cost less than $10 million. That's what Newsday quoted was the price was for the, for the renovations to the newly renovated Nassau Coliseum, mm-hmm. by the way. Let's be honest. This is already still renovated. Dumb. I haven't even been in it. I won't go in it. I have no reason to. Um, but it's going to be less than $10 million. And they're saying that Barclays will pay it. And the reason why is that by Barclays creating this as an avenue for the Islanders to play their home games, it opens up the extra 50 or so dates mm-hmm. in Barclays Arena for more profitable concerts, events, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why Barclays is willing to do it. They will actually make money in the end off of it. So now I just said to you, uh, and Ledecky didn't come out and agree to it, but he just said, that's what we've heard. 16 months before they break ground at Belmont. Uh, again, why on earth, if you're John Tavares, are you staying here? Uh, because uh, they, they're going to get the arena. Um, because Rob likes out. He'll be 30-something listen, before it opens. Listen, guys. John Tavares, it's not just about the arena. If it was about the actual <coughs> physical arena, he would have been here already because Barclays Center, all the amenities that it has, the family room that it has, the locker room. Yeah, that but it has. traveling back and forth. Let me get to my point. Let me get to my point. Let me get to my point, though. If it was about that, he would stay. This is about certainty that he's not going to, in the middle of his contract, have to pick up and move his family to Quebec. That he's not going to have to move to Seattle. That he's not going to have to move to Toronto. Well, he would love Toronto. But just different places that they might move because if things went awry, they have no home, and now they have to leave New York. It's more about the certainty of him being on Long Island and now starting his family on Long Island and knowing he has no need to move to a random city that he doesn't choose. That's as big a thing as the actual physical arena. I really believe that. Put it this way. I've been on the Tavares Will Stay all along. Um People that are in the know that were 95% sure that he would stay are now down to like 65%. And I think that's about the team winning. It's completely about winning. That's his most important thing is he wants to be on a team where he can win a Stanley Cup. And let's be honest, ask Vinny. Nobody will tell me more times than Vinny. This team has not (laughs) gone out of their way to show that they are going to be a contender for the Stanley Cup. They haven't done it. And Garth Snow's now had 10 years and he hasn't done it yet. That is the big thing. That's much more bigger than the certainty of the arena. The arena means that he gets to stay in Long Island. Buy it. The house that he bought, he will stay in now for the next decade. I can't wait for the Jersey burning videos. That's what I can't wait for. <laughs> um, to me, and listen, you can call me an Islanders hater, and I am. I know. But um, to me, 
it's just going to take too much time to have, like in the practice facility at Eisenhower, the arena here. He can stay on Long Island with the whole family thing. And it's just so much easier, state of the art, uh, you know, whatever. I, I just think he's going to be sick of it. And 30 something years old, listen, time's coming up. I want to win and I want to have a place where I can, for the rest of my career, settle with my family. Well, he's not 30 yet. So let's not put the car. He will be before horse. Belmont opens. Uh, yeah, I mean, three years. So if in three years, Belmont's opening or close to open he'll be 30 when it gets there and if he spends his career there by the time it is what it is and it'll be a lot easier for him if they get to travel just to um eisenhower and to the coliseum uh well listen we'll see if, if this team this they are the team to watch not because i'm honest they're the team to watch of all teams in the nhl coming off the bye weeks because they're a bubble hockey uh playoff team and they played horrendous they played horrendous on the road like Vinny said early in the year and when he said it, they came back and they became a 500 road team. And I got to start talking. Oh, he didn't send trash. December, and then since then they've they lost. No, then they've been terrible overall. Yeah, but yeah. but on the road, they've lost like I think eight straight road games. Um, they only have two regulation wins in the last 19 games. Does the if they Paris uncertainty make you almost uh, wish that they would go lock Bailey up? They are no. You don't think they're going to pay Bailey? I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that anything with Tavares has nothing to do with Bailey. I just think that they're both completely separate. I think Bailey's going nowhere with Tavares or without Tavares. Bailey will stay. Yeah, so with the year he's having, wouldn't you want to, you know, hey, at least we blocked him up. He's doing it so under the radar, and he actually did it last year. People didn't realize how well he was last year. He wasn't top two in the league in scoring like he is this year in uh, January. Um, But, no, no, I think uh, think that there's time for that. Bailey's not the kind of guy that um, I'm worried about. But I'll say this. If they lose today and they lose the next few games, now they're going to have to have no chance but to be sellers at the deadline. You can't trade Tavares, but you can trade Bailey. And there's a team out there that's going to pay a lot for Josh Bailey as a rental player when he's a guy that has, you know, more than a point per game this year. And he's very good defensively. So I think that that could happen. But, guys, we only have a minute or two left over the top sports radio. Um, I was going to do – Mid-year awards. We're going to do our fantasy rankings. Maybe we can get to that on Monday night, especially mm-hmm. if Vinny's unable to make it. I know Vinny is uh, going to be at the Knicks game. I don't know if we'll be back in time, but uh, especially if it's two of us, we can get to that. We'll do that. We'll get Vinny's picks in. We'll put them on the website and online as well. Um, but we'll get to final thoughts time. We just didn't have time for it all today. Enjoy the GOAT. Enjoy Tom Brady today, guys. My final thoughts, I'm going to go back to the NBA. It looks like the Philadelphia 76ers made a big-time mistake trading one of their future first-round picks for Martel Fultz because this guy cannot shoot the basketball. He looks like he's a six-year-old who can't reach the rim the way he shoots. <laughs> it is pathetic, and this guy's in trouble because he's not going to make any NFL, uh, NBA without a jump shot. And also, Adam Silver, you are a coward for not airing the captain uh, – picking for the draft because the NBA is full of sensitive prima donnas and they don't want anybody's feelings being hurt to see where they were drafted for the all-star game. Very coward move. All right. So thank you guys for listening. My final thoughts is I apologize for my F-bomb blunder before when I was asking what the F they were drinking to think that the Jaguars were going to Pittsburgh and win. Um, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. We'll see. That game's uh, coming up this weekend, but two games today before that that are very exciting. We broke them down. If you need picks or anything, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We put Vinny's picks up there. He makes a lot of people a lot of money. So thank you for listening. We're back with you guys Monday night over the top sports radio on Facebook and on Block Talk Radio. Good night, everybody. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Over the Top Sport, no S, and on Instagram at Over the Top Sports Show.